0: This is the podcast for you. Hello, I am Deb Coviello, founder of The Drop-In CEO, and I want to thank you for joining us on another episode where week after week I have the distinct pleasure of interviewing industry leaders and gain their insights, and hopefully we will inspire you. And if you love this episode, and I know you will, please subscribe, rate, review, and more importantly, tell others, tell others about this amazing resource so we can lift everybody. And just so you know, I am also here to help the C-suite leader of today and tomorrow navigate your challenges with confidence. And today, I am so excited through the network of finding this amazing guest, Roberta Nidlala, who has had a corporate career in South Africa spanning over 15 years as a transportation economist and management expert. And through her work, she has learned that the soft skills are so important to maximizing your career success. She is also the host of the Speaking and Communicating Podcast, a platform for sharing valuable tips and expertise on how to improve communications and soft skills. I am thrilled for this conversation. Roberta, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Steph. What a beautiful introduction. I'm glad to be here. I am as well. And just for my listeners, we found each other through an amazing resource, podcastguest.com. I found her, she found me, and I have had the pleasure of having a great conversation on her platform. It was so amazing. I just had to bring her insights. And you know that I spend a lot of time on communication and messaging, a essential skill for leaders, and I can't wait for her to bring her story and insights to you. So Roberta, please share a bit about yourself Personally, and your story, and about the work you're doing now. Thank you for the opportunity, Deb. Actually, it's funny. Podcast guests
1: found me. I don't know how they found the podcast and then they messaged me and they said, Would you like to be listed as one of the podcasters so we can match you with guests? And I still don't know how they found me because it's good to have that information so that you know. Whatever you do on social media, what's working and what's not. So that's still a mystery. But yes, my name is Roberta Angela, And Deb did an amazing job of pronouncing my my last name. It's a Zulu name. It means the path or the way. And what that is, is so I come from the Zulu tribe. South Africa has nine African tribes. So we have nine different African languages and then we have English, of course, and then Afrikaans, which is, which originated from the Dutch, the Netherlands. So in my tribe, in my culture, the number one thing, if you've heard the word ubuntu I know there was a, an NBA related, I don't know if it's an ad or it was a promo or something. But they were focusing on Ubuntu, and they didn't know how to pronounce it so beautifully. Ubuntu is a Zulu word meaning humanity. I am because you are. If I hurt you, Deb, I'm hurting myself. Mm. If I do something kind to you, I'm doing it to myself. So everything Mm. since ancient Zulu days that we've done is all related to another person because we are fully connected. There's no separation between us. In my language, we don't have the word stranger in our vocabulary because you, if we are fully connected, you're not a stranger. I, everybody's family, basically. That's how you take the village. And therefore, those principles, when I think about soft skills, and I'll talk about my career journey my for a second, is if you look at your employees as a leader, as somehow these humans who are, in a way, connected to you, and not just machines who do the job, that's where you have team engagement, better team performance, and those things. Because even though we have had this myth of you have one person at work and one person at home, it's the same person. Things that trigger you at home will trigger you at work. And therefore, that's why soft skills when I tie them to my culture, it connects so beautifully. So basically, when I was at school, a lot of us were were high performers. I was good at math and science. And when you do so well at school, you think, my future's going to be. You know? It's it's just going to be this smooth, flawless journey. I'm going to climb the ladder. And then I remember on my first job, I had a boss and he was mentoring me. My country was changing at the time. Remember, we'll get apartheid and then it, it became democratic just as I was starting my corporate career. And when there's so much change, you have a new political leaders and there's too much consultation because we came from a government that didn't consult at all and just bulldozed everything. So everything is a workshop and a meeting and every stakeholder must be there. And if one of them can't make it, they reschedule. When you're a consulting engineering firm, it can be a little frustrating. You feel like so much time is being wasted. We should be working. But you need to be patient because these are your clients. And I remember my boss saying to me, Roberta, you're so frustrated and he said, I went to study engineering so I can sit on my cubicle and not talk to anyone. Now, all I do is be in meetings. I talk to people all day. What am I doing with my life? Just venting out that frustration. I, I had just started the job, so I guess it was a safe choice. You know, it's not like I was a manager. I was going to report him to the CEO. So he felt safe to vent out his frustrations with me. But that was very eye-opening for me. Because first of all, I noticed that as director of our transport division, he wasn't necessarily the smartest guy, but because he was willing to adapt to this new system of having all these government officials who need to talk all the time, and he was patient with them. Guess what? At first, they would bid for a job. You know, other engineering companies you bid for the you bid for the contract, and then they award the contract to one there comes a time when they say they want to work with my boss and they don't put out the job for bidding because he establishes a relationship with them. He's patient with all their political garbage <laughs> and being willing to do that. Our company is, it still does. It makes millions and millions of dollars per year. He participates in profit sharing, even though at first it is something he did not want to do. So by adapting, by being willing and open to learn these relationship-building skills, he was able to climb up, not necessarily being the smartest guy, but with our team, he was so good. He was such a good bringing together our team type of person. He was good at getting us motivated. It, a lot of it was new territory and it was uncharted waters, but he was so good at making us feel like we can do this. We're yeah. going to be the first one to, you know, tackle this project in this country. We can do this. And I didn't know how, but he gave us that feeling. So that was my first introduction to soft skills. And then secondly, from the point of view of just being an employee, when we have so many big multimillion dollar projects, we have joint venture partners, we have subcontractors who will do a part of the project. Because that's not our specialty. So, in a project team, you're going to have an environmental management firm, you're going to have an urban planning firm. Your relationship with those firms as you navigate the project, and somebody's missed a deadline of sending a, a progress report, all of those things come need to come together. How you manage the other company not doing what they're supposed to and work. The- all of those things I used to make note and take notice and say, huh. And then the third thing is when you have these big meetings where everybody comes together and reports to the client, how far we're progressing, because also you invoice that way. You don't, you don't invoice at the end of the project. At a 20% stage of the contract, 20% of the fees. When you speak up in those meetings, you don't know who's listening and who's noticing you. The next thing you know they will be offering you triple your current package because the merger speed. So important point.
0: Keep going. So important. And
1: therefore I realized, wait a minute, no matter how smart I am and how I did the cat drawing or how I do this report, if I don't speak at these meetings, nobody remembers me? Why didn't anyone tell me that? <laughs> I thought just being smart at school my life was my career was just gonna be this triple. Those are the things people never get told at colleges and universities. And that's why I've made it my mission to highlight this. And then the last thing is, so, and and after 15 years of a corporate career in South Africa, I went to South Korea. The last decade I've been teaching English. They don't speak English, different culture, so many culture shocks. But here's the thing. I always say you have two types of foreigners or foreign teachers in South Korea. You have those who will say, I chose to come here. If I let these culture shock, some of which are uncomfortable, if I let them teach me something about myself, and if I'm open to learning about this culture and adapting adaptation again, whether you're in business, whatever it is adaptation, so is okay." And adapt to the way they do things. First of all, I come from the Zulu culture, which is, if I come to your house, Deb, I must respect the rules of your house. Even if I don't agree with them, but it's in your house, under that roof, I do things mm-hmm. the way Deb says them should be done. So if I'm there, I will adapt. I will find the good in the experience. And you will be amazed how much you grow as a person. Then you have the type of foreign teacher who says, This is not how we do things in my country. This is uncomfortable. And they do what they call a midnight run, meaning you leave South Korea without even telling your school that you leave it because it's just so uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And you just go back to your country and you're done. So you have a choice. Do you learn to adapt? Because the skills of learning to adapt in another country are the same skills you will apply. Look at all the technology, all the AI. Any company that hasn't learned to adapt they will tell you what the repercussions are uh bledberry, nokia, companies that decoded that didn't learn to adapt. We don't have to talk about in detail how much they had to suffer because of that adaptation is a soft skill that sometimes of the like is not emphasized enough and so when I came to this country in the beginning of the pandemic, I thought let me i have I have a few years' experience and one or two insights I can share them me start a podcast and so. That's why you focus on soft skills. It's based purely, mostly from my experiences
0: but i will share with you and thank you so much for that story it is truly a multi cultural adventure you know not enough of us have the opportunity to go to other countries not only are we trying to improve our own skills but then to your point adapt them to then the different societies because it is not cookie cutter we have different heritages again we are all connected in some way but over time societies have adopted to climate economics politics etc so we do have to acclimate it is on us as leaders to try to find a way to understand and connect with humans to do the work that we want to do. And this is where I want to go off script a little bit, because you and I have both made the observation. I was a STEM professional. I was good. I created the PowerPoints. I did the investigations. I gathered the data. I had the best presentations. And I got to a point where I was no longer having an impact. And I just wonder, wonder, wonder why is it that many, many educational systems, maybe if you have the opportunity to see good behavior modeled, you will pick up some of these tips, but why don't they teach it enough? I know they have public speaking. I know they have writing, effective communications. It's just not enough. There's so many other skills about how to read people, seek to understand, go inside their house, understand what their challenges are, because you might adapt the way you do a presentation or something like that. I mean, i just curious, why is it missing? What can we do to change this such that Speaking, communicating, and essential skills become part of the framework that we groom our professionals. Do you have any thoughts other than just you and my eye trying to change the world?
1: (laughs) You know, it's funny you're talking
0: about. You talking about
1: uh, being creative writing was my worst nightmare in high school. Okay. Because I used to feel, and there's that part of my brain that's not as active as the other one because I used to think, if the compre- what they call the composition, meaning write a story. If they say write about your summer vacation, if my parents hadn't taken us from a summer vacation, I wouldn't know how to write. Like I didn't know how to use my imagination <laughs> to think of things that I haven't physically experienced. Because that's where creativity comes in. It's letting your imagination kick in before you even experience the thing physically. But then back to us being professionals and the speaking and the communicating. We need technical skills. And I always emphasize this because a lot of the time they think just because I talk about soft skills, transferable skills, I'm like, oh no, you don't have to be your, know, no, no, no. You do need to still know your work. But one, um like I said, universities, they have enough on their plate and I don't know how much of capacity they can have in adding this module to all the things that mm-hmm. they teach and the question then becomes is it the individual's responsibility to go to extra classes because there's a lot of you've got your Toastmasters you go to public speaking groups that gather in your neighborhood is it your responsibility to do that while you are studying, or? Do you wait until you find the job, but then to find the job, the skills you talk about, you want to meet them at your job (laughs) interview?
0: You make a really good point. And if I had to think about my own experience, I had to want to, want to improve myself, improve my communication and effectiveness. And I think along the way, most of it, I looked for people that had the right characteristics, or I took the Toastmasters or that effective speaking communication, and then just observed what others did that worked well, and then started adapting those techniques in a way that made sense for me. So that when I spoke, communicated, messaged, and also saw the desired outcome so I could reach the desired outcome, I started honing those skills at a survival because I was one of those A1 personalities. I want to get the result. And at some point in our career, our technical capabilities no longer serve us. It's these essential, these soft skills, the communication skills that are what's going to take us to the next level. I wanted to take a moment to remind you that a recent study showed nearly 60% of leaders feel depleted At the end of the day. And this feeling is a key indicator of burnout and makes it difficult to lead and inspire others. If you've ever experienced that restless exhaustion, you know why CEOs are amongst the most likely candidates for experiencing job frustration. I wrote The CEO's Compass, your guide to get back on track, to confront those feelings and create a plan that is sustainable for you and your organization. I created a seven point assessment that will help you figure out your problems in days, not months. And it includes so many resources, worksheets, videos, and much, much more. If this is you, please head over to my website, dropinceo.com, and click on my products, the CEO's compass, and order yours on Amazon or other outlets. And now back to the conversation. So if I had to think about this, if you had to prioritize as people came into your life or who you coach or who you see what are maybe the top one or two skills that or tips that you can provide right now that it apply to who excuse me that can apply to any senior leader or somebody up and coming where do you see the biggest challenges what can we do to improve a few tips right now because we want to provide a lot of value so the first one, what you mentioned is you
1: took the skills you learned and you adapted them to yourself. You are still there, but you are just applying those techniques and tools when you communicate. Sometimes people make the mistake of thinking they need to sound like Tony Robbins. That's not, that's not what we're going for. Be yourself. You're not going to connect with audiences if you are. This theatrics counter to something you're not person. Because even as a leader, when you talk to your team, you are who you are, they're going to connect with you if they, they can feel that authenticity, that sometimes vulner- vulnerability, which can be a challenge for leaders as well, because there's this myth that you don't show your vulnerable side, otherwise your team is not going to respect you, which you know is a myth, right? But obviously, there's no oversharing this discretion to be be exercised in that. And then secondly, when you are self-aware, it helps you understand others. When you understand yourself, when you understand how you communicate, what your triggers are, It helps you understand those you are communicating with, those across the table.
0: Yeah, I mean, the be yourself is one of the things I'll even tell you took me a while to be comfortable with. I had somebody once tell me, a mentor stop being so rigid because I thought everybody wanted to see a very upright, professional-sounding person that didn't make any mistakes and he says you just got to be yourself. So again, I talk a lot with my hands. I can talk fast. I talk with my eyes. I make all kinds of gestures. I flub my words and even though I apologize for it, I'm not going to go back and re-record. That's who I am that but that's what makes me me. And so People at some point, a little bit of this psychological, be comfortable with yourself because your energy will come through. And then people will want to connect with you because they see who you are at the core. Not perfect, but somebody trying to message and connect with you. But the second point, understand it by understanding yourself, it'll help you to understand others. Just tell me a little bit more about that because this is some of the deep work we need to do with ourselves.
1: Hello. Because here's the thing. If I understand how I communicate, then I'm open to understanding the nuances and the uh, the deeper layers of why one of my team members was triggered just because I asked them when the report was done and they Mm. weren't ready. Or if this conflict between my two team members and they bring it to me, if I understand them as people, not just employees, it will help. To mediate and you know remind each other that wait a minute, we're still working, but hey let's let's resolve this first, because we'll be more productive in this because usually conflict is not part conflict. conflict is something underneath there. <laughs> it's not usually the thing that we think people are fighting about. there's an emotional freak out by someone, there's somebody feeling not hurt or Since they've been in the company for three years, they've always felt like bail work is not recognized.
0: There's always something underneath there. And unless we take the time before the conflict actually happens to get to know the person personally, we don't have the tools and skills that you try to bring out, that when we do have to bring people together to have a conversation to move something forward or resolve a conflict... This is data for which it helps us to answer a question or how to set the stage, to put people at calm so that they will bring their best forward and understand why is there a gap between what we expect and what we are or are not getting. Some people might want to be able to share stories. Some people want to be called upon because they might not speak up. There are different things we need to know about the people and their comfort. That's what leadership is, is making people feel comfortable even if things are not comfortable. (laughs) Right,
1: right. And here's the beauty of today's, uh, I mean, I started working in 1995. Look how much has changed. There was no internet back then or was it just starting? I I remember we had those port mail address. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) But what I'm saying is, things have changed so much that we used to think leaders know everything. They're just going to ask us to do what they think we know. It was never this back and forth relationship of there's something they can learn from the younger generation as well because of mm. technology. And if they are open to that, and if, if if you're a leader who thinks he knows everything, there's a self-awareness element that's missing there. <laughs> and you're not going to be open to what the younger
0: generation in your team can bring to accelerate results. Yeah, I I love where this conversation has gone. It really at the nature, starting with your heritage and connecting with humanity. We need to slow down a little bit and get to know and understand people around us so that we can adapt our styles in either resolving conflict or how we speak or communicate. If we do that, it's going to get a lot easier. But I want to move this a little bit towards now how people might learn how to be better speakers, how to position themselves. Maybe they need to introduce themselves at a networking event. Maybe they need to be able to set the stage before they go into an initiative. And a big part of that is storytelling. And some people, you and I have talked about this, feel uncomfortable about telling story because maybe they don't think they have something to tell. Help our listeners understand that everybody has a story to tell and how to overcome that fear. I'd love to know a little bit more about your insights because story can be an amazing way to communicate with humans and move forward with the work we want to do. For sure. I met a guest recently
1: who was on my podcast, and she said, Roberta, there's this idea that the only people with stories are the ones who've had some traumatic experience, some big thing Mm. happened to them in the past. I say, wait a minute. That's why people come to me and they say, Roberta, I don't have the story. What are you talking about? "My, I don't have the story. They think they needed a traumatic experience to then come to a position where they can package their message with that story and let that be their purpose for when they deliver a speech. It doesn't have to be the case. My guest, the one I'm referring to, she's never had a traumatic experience, and yet she's a public speaking mentor, and she okay. helps say clients package their story, an authentic one, a real one. But she's proved that there's a lot of people in their minds, they think, I need something big to happen in my life for me to have a story. Now, as, as an example, when I first with my slide, and I told you about my heritage, there's, there was no trauma involved in that. It wasn't. But look how much you remembered it so much. You wanted to ask me about it today because it impacted you that much. So it didn't need a trauma element to it for you to think the next time I speak to her, I really want to hear about her
0: heritage. Because it's so unique, it's so different, and I learned from your story about the different languages, the different the different tribes. I did not know anything about this, and while I may not use this information, it's what made you memorable, interesting, different than any other people, and I've learned something in the process, and my life is much more richer. To your point, we all have stories because we want to connect with people and make other people's lives richer and impact them in some kind of way.
1: Yes, for sure. And thank you for that, Deb. And then the second mistake we make is we think, like you mentioned earlier, that we are going to be judged if we make a mistake while speaking. Here's the beautiful thing about mistakes. As you said, they make you human, and you can use them to either tell a joke or connect with your audience somehow, you know, get the elephant out of the room. The problem with a lot of people. They forget one thing, which is, which we both know, when you go in and speak, you're the only one who knows what you're going to say. That's your secret. And therefore, if you forget something, who's going to know? You're right. Who's going to know? So why are you worried about being judged or making a mistake?
0: We have to get over ourselves. We create this fear that just should not exist.
1: It shouldn't. And like I said, I, I, I would make a joke and actually people laugh and they think, hey, wait a minute, she actually sounds kind of cool. Maybe I should listen to the rest of what she has to say. But if you are rigid and I'm not knocking any perfect speakers who present perfectly and everything, kudos to them. But the point we made earlier we as well was being yourself. That's what people connect with. Whether mm. you believe in energy or not, but the the energy in your brain, which is you, through the stage, that's what people are going to connect with. So please, let that shine forth mm. instead of thinking, for them not to judge me, that this is something I'm not, that, trust me, they are not
0: looking for that. They're looking for you. Mm. I love your words. I love your energy. And also, it just... It just I don't I don't know. It's just I'm first of all, I'm so grateful to have you in my network because I think the work that you're doing to elevate leaders is so important to eliminate the fear. Give us the tools we need so that we can get the work done either individually or through others. And I want people to get to know you, but tell me a little bit more now as you're building your offers and building your business and you have an amazing podcast here how are you now in service to others because if there's somebody out there that likes you likes what you say I want them to be able to connect with you and what are those things and how can you potentially help prospective people that want to maybe invest some time with you thank you for that I have a friend who's an engineer
1: and I remember I first asked him I said what do you think of speaking skills and communication skills in your build and, and how does that work? Who gets promoted? He said the same thing that similar to my experience. He said, I find that a lot of us are nerds, so we are usually introverted. <laughs> but <laughs> I remember this last sentence. He said, but those who speak up, They go on to make lots of money. He didn't even talk about leadership. He said, they just go on to make lots of money. And I I never forgot that. And the first thing, as we said, communication skills, because one, a lot of tech professionals, because they're so brilliant, when they present to an Amazon executive who's never been in tech, they will speak tech they are brilliant tech and the Amazon director assistant thinking, how's this going to help Amazon? Because I don't mm-hmm. understand half of it. Right. So one thing we'll help you with is to package your presentation such that you have just enough information to show them, okay, you know what you're doing, but also the message for them to default themselves as regular people, not tech experts like you are. And then secondly, this is a confidence example. Confidence when you speak shines through in that even when you, you're not the best person in that field, you sound like you are because you're so confident and you truly believe in what you're saying. And confidence will affect your career. Let me give an example of my cousin. He's currently in the Netherlands. When he was in South Africa, he started computer science in the early 90s when we started university. And he stopped at bachelor's and then started working. So to this day, he has a bachelor's. He was in cybersecurity and banks and everything. So one day, he saw this ad from this Dutch company um, looking for professionals, and it said, must have a master's. Remember, he has a bachelor's. Guess what my male cousin did, which most of us females don't do? He applied. He has a bachelor's. He applied. They gave him the job. He goes to the Netherlands for six months. He's so good at what he does. When he goes back to South Africa, they organize for him and his girlfriend to move to the Netherlands permanently. And he lives there right now. A lot of us females, we might have a PhD and the job says you need to have a master's, and we are still not confident
0: enough to apply. So, a lot of mindset. Having the confidence to say, I may have to learn a few things, but I am confident I can do this. I am confident to communicate a message, even though I'm not the expert, because my role is to achieve an outcome, to connect with people, to get a particular result. And if we start engaging because we're starting a trusting relationship, I'll bring the subject matter experts with me that can answer that technical stuff. So important and yeah. such... That's such an important nuance versus just speaking. It's about connecting. It's about the confidence because again, you then will be pulled into other circles and other areas because you exude that confidence and that's leadership. This has been an amazing conversation and I want people to connect with you. I I love the work that you're doing. That's why I do bring on several people that really, really emphasize the importance of continue to hone your craft, but also increase your influence by having those effective communication speaking skills and all the other skills that are around you. It will make you more confident, possibly some more money, but ultimately be more fulfilled in the work that you do. So any last closing thoughts that you'd like to share with our listeners? Everyone is a speaker,
1: even if you've never spoken in front of the crowd. Everyone is a speaker and everyone is a communicator. Just like any skill can be learned, you learn technical skills, your engineering skills at university, you can learn communication and speaking skills every single person can
0: And on that note, and you've given me confidence, I believe everybody can. They need to reach out to Roberta to learn more about her work. All of her information will be in the show notes. I am just grateful that you have dropped in on the podcast. And I do want to wish you continued success and be well, Roberta. Deb, thank you so much. This has been amazing. I appreciate you having me on our show today. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. I hope you are inspired by our conversation and can apply what you heard to your business or career goals. If you found this valuable, please share this show with at least one friend who will find it useful and inspiring when you share this podcast, it allows me to continue to help C-suite leaders of today and tomorrow to navigate their challenges with confidence. To connect with me or learn more about the Drop-In CEO services, go to my website at dropinceo.com. And until we meet, I wish you well and much success.